Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw, Steve Lorenz, on the phone with me as we do every week. This week's going to be pretty short. You know, we were talking, we had some scheduling conflicts, too, but we were talking, and and really, I mean, football, I haven't really heard much of anything. They're just popping up on some of these uh, preseason magazine, all this list, this ranking, this and that, which we'll discuss, uh, but it's obviously not the same kind of level discussion as actual news. Basketball, I mean, I, I continue to, it continues to sound like Matthews will be coming back if you read between the lines. Uh, also, says he's not decided, Wouldn't don't blame him, give it a, his best shot. Wagner starting to tick up into some first round mock drafts. Uh, so, so you know, not quite worth discussing yet. We're not quite in an NBA draft where the mock drafts are that legitimate yet. Hockey, uh, we might might have some time for hockey recruiting. It depends on the timing, but we, we do have some updates there. Baseball, Big Ten tournament, softball season's done. So, so anyway, relatively quick show. Not a whole lot with recruiting. Uh, but Steve, you had a story today, and and we've had we've done some number crunching on Shea Patterson's deep ball prowess on him throwing beyond the hash marks, him throwing to different types of players. But you, you kind of went, you kind of compiled it together in a way that there's there's a list of a few key ways that Michigan can get the most out of Patterson and, and can actually make the offense move. Because, you know, there's, it's one thing to have a lot of players returning, uh, but if those players, you know, if, it's, if there are still issues getting open or if there's still issues finding the right guy or there's still issues of drawing up the right place for the right players, we're well, not necessarily going to get better. But Patterson kind of opens up the window in a few ways for for you to, to I guess, move the offense a little bit more, do things differently, do things you couldn't do with other quarterbacks. So I guess what, what sort of things stood out the most when you were putting this story together? Two things. Um, and one of our users kind of illustrated, really kind of brought it out to uh, that, that kind of the angle. Like I went into it with an open mind, obviously I really wasn't, that's the thing is like, I hadn't really dug into his pro football focus, like the advanced type stats, you know, so I really wasn't sure what to expect. Um, but you know, the things that the two things that I noticed right away are his ability uh, to throw the ball in between the hash marks and his ability on short behind the line of scrimmage and within 10 yards uh, of, from the line of scrimmage, those types of throws. And, uh, I mean, he was solid. He was all right with the deep ball, at least according to the way that Pro Football Focus does their stats. Um, excellent deep down the middle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the so to me, you know, that's it was interesting to me to see that because and like I said, one of our users kind of did a good job of bringing it out is, you know, getting the ball to the tight ends and getting the ball to the running backs in the screen game, whether, you know, design or whatever, uh, or like the kind of check down type stuff. I think those are the two ways that, that Michigan can really open up everything else offensively. And those are the two things to me that stood out as far as, you know, where, where he excels uh, statistically, I mean, his numbers in the middle were night and day better than on the outside. And, uh, you know, not that they were bad on the outside, but just well, his left numbers. side was pretty. I, I remember I did something of the sort in January, more just the numbers rather than putting it all together. 
I think it was the left side across his body. He really struggled. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, yep. So, uh, and then the other, you know, the other thing was too, uh, was his ability out of play action. And then what surprised me, you know, and I'm wondering how pro football focus does it, uh, meant to reach out to a couple of those guys to kind of get more clarification there. But, uh, Michigan ran very little designed play action last year. You know, I don't, so I'm guessing that they didn't really count those, you know, where the, the, they don't really, you know what I mean? Where the quarterback would kind of just reach the ball out there, even if there wasn't even oh, a running back yeah. anywhere near him, you know, type thing. Like I can't assume that those were play action, uh, counted as play action in their, uh, and their charting, uh, you know, but, but Patterson ran, uh, much, much more out of a play action set and was much, much more effective, uh, than Michigan's quarterbacks last season in that regard. Uh, and so I thought that was really interesting. You know, I'm assuming, you know, I haven't watched every Ole Miss game. Uh, well, I haven't really even watched half of them, but I know a lot of shotgun there. So it was probably a lot of, I don't know if you know if it was read option necessarily, but you know, the type of a little bit different than the way Michigan runs their mm-hmm. offense, you know, much more drop back oriented. Have you uh, heard you know, if, so, if Michigan's going to do more well, shotgun? Well, that's the thing is it, it these numbers lend itself to, to believing that he's much more effective in that way. So it, it, it'd be kind of, I'd be, I would be surprised just because I know Michigan has some idea of these types of numbers. You know what I mean? Like they're break. They broke, I'm sure they broke him down much, much more than I just did this morning, you know? So, <laughs> you know what I, well, that's what I mean though, but that's what the numbers bear out, you know, is that he's much more effective in play action. And uh, he's very effective throwing the ball down the middle. So, you know, like I said, my biggest thing is, you know, I think Zach Gentry was the guy that really started to come on near the end of last year. I see this and I think, man, between he and McCune, uh, both those guys could have really big years for them. And the same goes for Chris Evans, uh, who, like I said, how many, I don't know how many times we talked about that. I alluded to it in the article, too, how many times, you know, you and I talked about <laughs> getting him the ball in the passing game, and they finally started to do it near the end of the year. You know, I thought he was – they should have gotten him the ball in the air more against Ohio State even than they did. Might, so. have, might have had a win, yeah. Yeah, you know, so uh, so I think, you know, those possibilities really lend itself to some nice potential for them offensively this year because, the, yeah, his strengths play into the things that I felt like Michigan has to do to open things up on the outside, you know, for a Peoples-Jones or, or Tariq Black or whoever. Um, you know, and maybe even to help them run the ball effectively too, you know, but that, that combo of being able to hit the seams, the tight ends and the screen game means that, you know, you're going to have linebackers guessing all day in the passing game, mm-hmm. you know, and that can be really, really dangerous. So, uh, I came out more optimistic about what he can do. You know, I'm not a, uh, I'm not tooting the Heisman campaign for him <laughs> at all. I think that, well, I know, but some are, you know, the, the national pundit, like takes with him or one it's it's like it usually is there's nobody has it takes any gray area into account it's either he's going to tear it up and he's going to like be a top 10 draft pick or his backup was better than him and this is overrated and you know Michigan stinks no matter what you know like it's there's no in between I always try to play the in between because that's 95% of the time that's where it is. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I came out with. But I did come out with more of an optimistic belief on, uh, you know, what he's good at and, and what Michigan, where Michigan should, was going to get better anyway. Like I said, guys like Gentry McCune. I mean, yeah. the standard progression 
at a position where both those guys really got their first taste of action last year, uh, you know, both of those guys should see a lot of progression this year. And, and I think Patterson's uh, style and, and the numbers really lend itself to think that both of them could really take off. So let me ask you, because I was surprised for you to say that the deep ball was not as encouraging because when I looked at Michigan's quarterbacks last year, I think Brandon Peters off the top of my head, I think he was 11 for 39 with four interceptions, maybe not, not four interceptions, 11 for 39 on passes of 10 yards or more, which is, I mean, that's that's more than abysmal. That's, that's you know, just a, atrocious and... I, maybe those adjectives are pretty similar after all, but it's it's a very bad number to be 11 for 39 on pass a deep 10 yards or more. I think a NCAA average is about, you know, 45-ish percent, and I, I think Michigan was below 30% as a, as a team. Meanwhile, Shea Patterson was 50 of 90. So so that, that didn't stand out to you as much, or, or is it... Or was he just that good at the screenplays and working with the tight ends? Because does Ole Miss use tight ends very much? I don't even know. I mean, they put, you know, Evan Engram was a an excellent tight end now playing for the Giants. Uh, I didn't look at the actual receiving. The only receiving stats I checked last for last year were how often they threw to the backs, you know, which I said that uh, – was it Jordan Wilkins, who was actually a former Michigan target under Hoke, mm. uh, had almost as many catches alone as Michigan's running backs total last year. So, hmm. uh, you know, it's just, it was more of the pro football focus ratings. Again, down the middle, he was excellent. Yeah, the that's ball. true. Okay. You know, and that's where, that's where I say is like, that's where I could see a gentry, you know, and, and, and again, I mean, that could easily, you know, well, how many deep balls did O'Corn overthrow? Like say Peoples Jones in the middle down the seam <laughs> last year, you know, Couple, on, on yeah. offensive, <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, so like, you know, so it it could it's definitely going to help the receivers too. I would say uh, it was just more like I said, it his his concentration, like you, they here's the, I mean, I have the chart in front of me now. Um, you know, I could just go right down the list here. I mean, his rating. So what they do is they put a, a what is it a NFL. A, yeah, like a NFL rating comparison to each of their uh, of the it's 12, 12 blocks. Okay. You know, and it's four down, three across, you know, at 20 left, right and middle and then 20 plus 10 to 19, 0 to 9 and behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And his two worst ratings by a healthy margin are 20 plus left to right. And you had mentioned that's what you talked about the left on the left-hand side his his rating was a 5. Oh, and Okay. <laughs> yeah, no. So it was really, it was very, very low. But that's you know, um, that's your that's your kind of first down. You're moving, take yep. a hail mary shot to you know whoever for to to make it a one play drive kind of play. Right. He was a combined four of twenty five outside the hash marks, left to right on passes that were twenty yards or deeper. It was like I said in the middle. Yeah. Ten of seventeen. For I mean, for 456 yards, I mean, that's a lot of yardage on 17 attempts, 10 completions, you know. So, um, so again, the deep balls, I guess it's there. I guess I was thinking more left, middle versus left to right. Yeah, uh, okay. And, and, again, that, that's where Michigan, like most teams, tend to use try to use their tight ends as sort of that seam, you know, make the safeties think a little bit, you know, type thing. So uh, that was kind of where I was going with that. Um, so, again, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe his deep ball, I assume he could probably get 
much better at that at Michigan, you know, this year on the outsides. But I think the, they're better equipped maybe than Ole Miss was last year at that tight end spot and maybe even at running back. Although, like I said, Wilkins was a pretty appears to have been a pretty solid uh, receiving threat out of the backfield. But, you know, that can open that stuff up on the outside for the receivers to, to do their thing. Yeah, well, it's not like Michigan has a shortage of players who can – make receptions out of the bat. I mean, you know, like theoretically you could have a slot receiver come in motion and that could be your, your play or, or like, you know, for the stuff, the deep balls down the middle, take Zach Gentry off the line, have him as like a right. Gronk kind of uh, tight end, you know, where he's more in the slot or uh, was it Jimmy Graham that did that a lot in, in new Orleans and uh, I, you know, Nick Eubanks, I think he's I up that say, profile too. I was going to say, I think that that's who I was thinking that that's a way you're, I think you're definitely, you're, that you're are going to see them use Eubanks this year is in that type of situation. Right. So, so, you know, and that's, yeah. So one thing that did come up that, that I, I didn't understand why fans pumped it up this much, uh, but the dual threat <laughs> capabilities of, of Patterson, because uh, yeah. I, I think I've seen his ceiling compared to Baker Mayfield. And I don't remember Mayfield doing a ton of runs. But he was he could he could move a little bit. But I know you brought up people had been comparing him to Manziel. Uh, kind of the stats not do not even, showcase him being that kind of player. No, and again, the only thing again, and that's why I said where I have to I'd have to go back to and watch an Ole Miss game maybe and see how they used him. Because you know, I did actually before, when I was typing it, I I did type check out some uh, old Manziel highlights you know, from A&M, and they definitely, you know, tried to design some run plays to get him in space. So, you know, that's obviously part of it. But at the same time, I mean, you know, uh, my big takeaway coming out of that was, like, I think people forget how great of a year Manziel had. I mean, that 1,400 yards rushing, that was net, too. That was not. So not sack uh, adjusted? Yeah, that was that's net surge. So that means that's that he I was said. running, like, basically Jonathan Taylor-type numbers when he was being yeah. asked to run. All 21 right. touchdowns, you know, and, and yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he really statistically was one of the best seasons that a college football player has maybe ever had, you know, as you consider the dual threat aspect of that, you know, and, and he was a, a good, a great passer that year too. So, um, you know, so, so I don't really see Patterson as being, you know, I think he can make plays with his feet. There's zero doubt. Like I said, that's kind of the way I tried to frame it was, you know, he. you see his highlight tapes at Ole Miss. You can see that he's got that to kind of escape yeah. in, in, tight, in tight spots too, not just like, hey, I'm going to roll out right because there's nothing here. Like he can make those couple moves to free up some space, you know, and make a play. But Well, even like a two-yard like, run on, say, it's uh, second and eight. You know, if he if it's going to be a sack and he escapes and gets like two yards versus negative five, yep. I mean that open. You know, it's I, I think every coach in the country would do so much more with third and six versus third and thirteen. Like it's just right. it's oh, yeah. a night and day kind of deal. So, but Absolutely. okay, yeah, yeah, not. I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm we'll see. I'm just interested to see if Michigan how heavy they push that aspect of his game, I guess is the way I, you know, there's really no telling or no way to know if Ole Miss just, you know, abstained or that's what he was. And they were, you know what I mean? Like playing with his strengths to begin with. So I suspect the latter, just because I don't think it makes any sense for them not to maybe run him if they didn't think he was, you know, a capable 
standard like dual threat kind of guy, you know. So and again, like I said, you know, like when I wrote, uh, Harbaugh's it's kind of one of the weird like he's not a like he's very adept and aware of how to use those types of guys. Like I said, he almost won a Super Bowl with one, and he rushed for over two thousand yards in his NFL career at Kaepernick? like. No, Harbaugh ran for oh. over 2,000 yards in his NFL <laughs> Oh, that's career. right. He has one and more rushing more, yard than Bo Jackson. That's yeah, right. That's Unbelievable. Exactly. <laughs> you know, his yards per carry are not that much lower than Jackson's either. He he averaged almost five yards a carry in his NFL career, Harbaugh did. Now, um, they do count um, in the NFL, they count sacks as passing yards. Oh, either way. Well, still, yeah. though. like that's st- So, either way, though, I mean, it's... Yeah, no, I mean, that's still a few hundred yards a year. More you than know, Bo Jackson. That's funniest that. I know. Craziest that ever. <laughs> um, granted, I think yeah, Bo. I think didn't even play forty career games in the NFL. But um, you know, so yeah. That's just but a anyway, funny thing because everyone's like, no, "Oh, I Bo Jackson, the best true runner in the last fifty years." It's like, well, Jim I remember we posted. I remember we posted that stat on our Facebook page like a couple years ago or a year ago, and people just completely lost their minds, like that we were just trying to purposely mislead. Like it's just a kooky fun stat you know it's like but that's kind of typical that group of people there so um but yeah that you know my take like i said my biggest takeaways yeah i mean they're there the articles it's pinned on my twitter profile actually because i worked harder on this one than i usually do so um (laughs) so read it everyone go read it yeah no no but it's Um, it is an interesting thing because that's i mean that's got to be like the number one question in all of the big 10 is what in the world is Michigan's offense going to look like this year? Because cause on paper, you know, if you get the most out of Karan Higdon, you get the most out of Chris Evans and, and Donovan Peoples-Jones and Tariq Black and Oliver Martin and Nico Collins. You know, you can go down the list. You know, on paper, it could be better than the 2016 offense. It could be better than any Michigan offense in this current decade. You I know, agree. It, it's just a matter of, doing it and and also you know having all the parts function the other thing i'm very curious about is and i i wish this is where i wish harbaugh was a little bit more insightful in his press conferences because patterson is a is a run and gun interception heavy type of player harbaugh while he did have you know colin kaepernick he's a very conservative offensive mind you know if you ask him what he's looking for in a quarterback the first thing he says is always no turnovers, no interceptions. Right. You know, right. just moving moving the offense. He doesn't say, oh, I want someone that can make every throw. I want someone that can, you know, put points on the board. You know, he's he really is, I mean, I, I'll be curious to see how they contain him. Because, like, yes, Andrew Luck, I think he got up to 3,300 yards under, under in Harbaugh's last year at Stanford, and then he juiced up 500 more under David Shaw. But, like, for a number one overall draft pick, to only throw for 3,300 yards in today's college football game is is kind of surreal if you think about it because, you know, it's it's Michigan's like the only school that's a decent program in the entire country that hasn't had a 3,500-yard rusher or passer. It's just it's one of those things where it's like, are they going to unleash him and let him throw for 300 yards a game? Or if he throws two picks a game, are they going to say, let's tone it down and give it to our experienced running back? So that's... That's something I'm personally curious about. Don't you think they take the two, the two interceptions? I mean, it, you know, 300 yards passing means they're moving the ball a lot more consistently than they were. Think about how many like how many three and outs 
you know, are two interceptions going to make up for the, I mean, again, the best example is the Michigan State game. I mean, think about all the three and outs they had offensively. I mean, those are akin to turnovers pretty much in my opinion at, it, when it gets to a point when, you know, you're not even keeping your defense off the field for a minute and a half. You <laughs> yeah. know, I mean, you might as well have just, you might as well call those turnovers when they start to add up, you know, three or four drives in a row where you don't even get a first down. Um, you know, I got to think that, you know, yeah, it may be a situation where they'll have to take a little bit of the good uh, or a little bit of bad with all, with all the good. But man, I would think that the product of that compared to what they've had last year, um, especially, you know, I think would be desirable at the end of the day. I mean, well, obviously, yeah. perfect perfect world is it that those two ideals, the gunslinger with the conservativeness, will mesh together to form a, you know, like a, a perfect marriage there where he can hone that ability while still, you know, taking a healthy amount of chances or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, we'll, it, you're right. It'll be really interesting kind of to see, you know, where it goes in that regard. Yeah, because, I mean, they really could go either – Either way, maybe there is a happy medium where he's hitting around 3,000, kind of doing what Jake Rudock did, uh, avoiding interceptions. I would imagine, I think it'd just be, kind of like what you alluded to, it'd just be a waste of an opportunity to not let this guy... Because, I mean, you know, people aren't just, like, pulling his name out of a hat with Heisman candidacy. You know, there's a reason he was a five-star recruit. There's a reason he was the number one recruit, quarterback recruit in the country. There's a reason why you know, he's he's on these lists, and it's because at his best, he can be a Baker Mayfield type with maybe a little bit more polish. Now, that's right. that's if everything clicks, right? right. But that's, I was going to say we're talking yeah. about the number one pick in the NFL draft here. Let's not uh, – Well, I mean, polish. you don't think that's that's Shea Patterson's ceiling? No, I do think – I think it's – I think it's I think it's up there for sure. I guess it's just – Oh, yeah, yeah. Let, let me Mayfield be very clear. Like, I'm not Mayfield saying this is an so expectation – or right. a bar. This is this is, I mean, That's kind of like scenario. Rashawn Gary at his best. If he hits his ceiling this year, he will be a number one pick in next year's draft. It's just one of those, like, not every quarterback at their best is going to be as good as Shea Patterson at their best. I guess is what I'm yeah. I'm trying no, to say. Oh, that's, yeah, that's no, that's within reason. Yeah. So anyway, speaking of of this this football team and kind of the potential. Uh, Curious, Steve, what you think of this. The Athlon, Athlon Sports, they're one of the uh, magazine. They do the preseason stuff. They ranked Michigan 5. I think you and I disagree. I thought it was a little bit more ambitious than I think you did. Uh, but they also had their all-conference team released this, uh, I think, today. And we'll have a little bit more of a breakdown of it on 247sports.com. But they, they really believe in Michigan's defense. They do not believe in Michigan's offense so the defense they had six first team all big 10 players which sounds surreal when you say it right like that's just that's just a crazy amount to have six first team all big 10 defensive players but then you say well chase winovich Rashawn gary devin bush Kaleek hudson david long lavert hill it's like okay are there are there returning players better than them in the big 10 right now i mean i don't i don't know i don't think outside of up front yeah, you know, I think Ohio State. I'm assuming that the 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 I haven't read the list. But I'm assuming that Ohio State comprised the rest of the first team line. <laughs> yes, Dremont Jones and Nick and, Bosa. And Bosa. Yeah. yeah, no, that's those are the two guys I would have guessed. So, yeah, I mean, outside of up front, 
you know, I'm sure Wisconsin sure. has no. a couple linebackers. Sure, sure. But but you know, Ohio State and Penn State, their secondaries and their line, their back seven, so to speak, uh, kind of depleted. And maybe not Ohio right. State's secondary, but their linebackers are gone. Yep. And well, and, I mean, they're replacing them with. Yeah, but as far as experience and proven, yeah, you're that's, right. I mean, that's the trick. Is yeah. like, is Baron right, Browning? Right. Is, is his he's, his potential is probably higher than Devin Bush? If you, I mean, you know, I'm sure someone will get mad at me for saying that, but like, no, Baron Browning's a freak. I yeah, mean, that, yeah, that's that's totally fair to say. <laughs> and I mean, like he's he's also like got top ten draft pick potential, and so, and then you know, I'm sure Wisconsin, whoever they put out at linebacker. I mean, last year they lost Jack Cicci, and T.J. Edwards was better. You know, so it's like, or right. or you know, you can just go down the list. Uh, was it Van Ginkle was a freak too? I mean, they so, but Penn State they lost nine defensive starters. Ohio State definitely lost a few. Wisconsin, I think it's six or seven. They're one hundred and twenty fourth in returning defensive productivity. Um, so so yeah, I think it's feasible. Anyone you would have taken off that first team? <sighs> I don't think. I mean, I don't think so. I, you know, yeah, when you go one by one, it's a little yeah. Tougher. It's well, and that's the thing is like, I look at three, no, probably no, four for sure. Outside of the two cornerbacks, I think all four of those guys could very easily have better years than what they had last year. I mean, you think that was Winovich's like first real year, like playing on the edge, you know, all game, every game, you know, and I think Madison even talked about it this off season about how it was all effort and motor is what got him, you know, his production last year when really like he had a lot to work on like technique wise and, you know, refining that type of stuff. I think Gary, his best football, I definitely think his was best football is ahead of him. I think that's a pretty safe bet. And I think the same, especially goes with Hudson too who I think is like, I think he's got all American potential. I mean, his, his, again, this is within the context that statistical output is usually what determines, uh, you know, all American type statuses and, and his finish to last season was, uh, incredible statistically. And, and so, you know, I think, and then the same goes for Bush as far as, you know, kind of being that rock in the middle. And, and again, I mean, these, what all first year starters? All six of those guys were first year starters. Technically, yeah. I mean, Chase Winovich and Rashawn Gary had a good amount of yeah, snaps, but, but yeah, yeah. Taco and Wormley and a lot of guys playing in front of them too, though. I mean, they 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 got a lot of playing time. Probably comparable playing time to say what Solomon got last year, right? So mm-hmm. like, you know, by at least by the end of the year, especially. Um, but you know, really first year being the main guy to be counted on at their at their respective positions. So. Um, that's pretty amazing. You yeah. Know? I mean, to my opinion, I mean, that's like, and, uh, but it's also, like you said, it's, it's one of those things you read that, see those guys on that list. And it's, you know, it's not, it doesn't really even almost raise your eyebrows really. Uh, it's, it's, you know, so I'm six I, on the first team overall raises my eyebrows. And then I look at those players and, and I look at who else is in the big 10 and I just don't know who, who would replace them. I mean, for, that's for the, right. that's what I mean for yeah. the cornerbacks, it's like Jeffrey Okuda, Josiah Scott, Montre Hardage, Amani Owurari of Penn State. You know, it's like I don't think any of those guys are are better than yeah. Akuda barely. Akuda didn't play enough last year for us yeah. to sit here and say that he'd be will be better. I mean, he again 
another guy like Browning who could be easily could be a first team all conference player this year. It's just that we you haven't seen enough to know yet if that's going to be the case. Right. So. And then at linebacker, it's like Joe Batchy, Marcus Bailey, Ryan Connolly, Tom, Thomas Barber. I think they're all very good. I think they'll have NFL futures in some capacity. But I don't know. I, I personally don't think I would put them over Devin Bush, TJ Edwards, and Khalid Hudson at linebacker. And then defensive line, I mean, Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich were top 15 in the country last year in quarterback pressures from a defensive yep. end. Like, yep. you're not going <laughs> to – there were, there weren't that many Big Ten people <laughs> ahead of them. Uh, now on the offense, and this is wrapping up the show here, but – Offense did not get six first-team All-Big Ten players. Uh, that should come as very little surprise. Uh, ben Bradison was a second-team lineman. Cesar Ruiz was a fourth-team lineman. And now when I, I kind of sit, I'm fine with because I think we haven't seen enough of him. Sean McCune, second-team tight end. Uh, Tariq Black, the only receiver. He was fourth-team. And then Higdon was the second-team running back. Patterson was a third-team quarterback behind McSorley and Lewerke. But ahead of Hornerbrook, yeah. interesting. So, I don't know. What do you think of the offense? Were there were there misses? Were there people that I don't think I would put anyone on the first team right now. I think I would have to know more about it. Uh, but any any misses that you you caught? Anyone that you think should should have been included? I mean, it was so it was a, it was four teams. Yeah, they do right? the first, second, third, and fourth. I mean, I think Cesar Ruiz will be a first through fourth. In some like one of the four. Yeah, he was on there. He was the fourth team lineman. Oh, he was fourth. I'm yeah. sorry, I wasn't. I was looking out the window. Um, no, then not as far as you know who they're missing. I mean, I, I no, I'll say I say Peoples Jones. I'll say Gentry for sure. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else I'd really be missing. I mean, that's that's probably about it. I think. I think Patterson could be better than third team. Um, but otherwise, I mean, it's, it's all untapped potential type type stuff there, right? I mean, I... Right. I well, I'd say I'd Chris Google. Evans. Chris Evans could sneak in there. Yeah. And yeah. Gentry. No. Yeah, that's that's probably about it. It's if, if Higdon has a second team all Big Ten year, I, I just feel like it'll be difficult. It, that means that... Evans wouldn't have the... Wasn't he third-team All-Big Ten this year? That's true. He may have been. And yeah. this was with them really struggling to run the ball, those two in particular, in the first five weeks of the season. Because, you know, Ty Isaac kind of had to had to carry the load because they couldn't figure out what to do with Evans. It seemed like all the play calls were the wrong play calls for him, and then Higdon wasn't quite there. So if they're both healthy, I think it's feasible for... Yeah, because they have three right. running back openings. They have running back, second running back, and then all-purpose back. At least for this list. First of all, there's twelve backs that are capable. Or it's yeah, twelve backs. Oh, <laughs> well, in that case, then yeah. I mean, then it's definitely then then Evans's are definitely a real possibility. That's kind of re- that's kind of ridiculous. Twelve backs. A little bit. I mean, almost almost one of every team is guaranteed. Statistically, you would think so, right? <laughs> right. I mean, not that it's going to be the case because I'm assuming, for instance, like, well, Dobbins and Weber, Weber they were both at Ohio State. Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, that's a that's a for sure. And I'm assuming was Miles Sanders from Penn State. He, yeah, he made it on the third team. Okay. So. Yeah. So interesting. I think they're gonna they're gonna miss Barkley way more than 
people. I mean, Miles Sanders is going to be good, but Barkley yeah, number one recruit, n- number one running back in the 2016 class. Yeah. So in theory, but but yeah, I mean, Barkley did so many other things. Uh, special teams, by the way, Peoples Jones, second team all punt returner. Uh, Quinn Nordine, second team kicker. So yeah, I think so. Gaglino at Wisconsin was a freak, and then DeAndre Tompkins. Personally, I put Jay Sean Harris ahead of Peoples Jones, but whatever. well, I that's the other thing too is like you know I've, I've talked a lot about I think that Donovan takes off as a receiver, but I think he makes an even bigger leap as a returner. I think there's just you know I think the thing we've always mentioned with him, I think it holds true at special teams too. He's just so used to being so much better than everybody else in the field. I think there's just sort of that type of adjustment for him. Where like he could let the ball bounce and then scoop it up and still score. Yeah, yeah. he's got to play within himself a little bit more. And you could see that, like you could tangibly see that taking place on the field last year where he'd kind of, he was indecisive in what he was doing because I think he was just not shell-shocked necessarily, but again, just kind of like, yeah, hey, oh, well, I can't, can't do these things anymore. You know, it's not, you know, type thing. So um, I think he's going to take a, a big step forward special teams wise. Well, too, plus there's like sure. learning stuff. Like, you know, you actually have to do fair catches more. And I mean, the punts are actually consistently high and deep and far and you have to like read the ball and call the fair catches in some situations. So a little bit, a little bit trickier. Well, and that's, in, you know, kind of the thing too. And we never talk, we'll have to, we got to devote more time is, that that special team's performance is going to be huge for them this year. Yeah. Because it's another aspect that they kind of fell off in compared to 16, you know, 16 special teams wise really is one of the primary reasons they were a contender because they were winning field position all day because of Pepper's ability in the punt return game and the defense's ability to make stops. Last year, they didn't get the special teams end of it. You know, they got the defensive end of things, but the special teams return game, again, particularly people's Jones and with the punt return, you know, were, were inadequate for the most part. And it, and it, you know, when you have an offense that's not moving the ball to begin with, you know, and they're not making them, they're not getting any further down the field, you're going to continue, you're going to kind of slowly, gradually lose field position as, as the game goes yeah. on. So I think they had a uh, net field position of 12 or 13 yards in 2016, which is yeah, a free first down and then some. I mean, yeah, that's it's not that's, not yeah. good. You know, again, especially compared to where they were in 16, they were dynamo. Uh, oh, I was saying in 2016, area. that's what their field position was. Oh, sorry. So they were getting an extra 120 yards per game. Right, right. Okay, that's, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, I, yeah. I misunderstood what you were saying. Yeah, I think last oh, year wow. was like five or six, which is just, I mean, it's just a drop-off. You know, that's it's not it's not terrible because that defense yeah, did do a lot, but yeah. Those add up after a while. And again, that's an average. So I assume there were a few that skewed it. I think for the most, I bet if you just, if you broke it down, possession by possession by and large they you know they, it was poor you know so mm-hmm. um, kind of like how I always make fun of the Tigers because they will score like 18 runs one game and then they'll get shut out like the next three <laughs> games but then people will be like oh their average is five you know yeah. something like that like that's the way like it's probably something similar to that so um, at least from my memory just thinking about the way these games play out last year so uh, but again yeah I think it's the place where they're really gonna make some major strides yeah. Sure. All right. Well, we shall see. We'll obviously talk about this all summer. You feel free to submit your questions or your discussion topics, or whatever you want. I think next week we'll have a little bit more recruiting. 
probably some basketball news. I got to imagine at this point. Well, yeah, technically we would have basketball news because the deadline is now less than a week away for Charles Matthews to decide. So we'll have some discussions of where Michigan stacks up. Uh, maybe some hockey news. We shall see. Uh, but regardless, that's going to do it for today's podcast. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast for Steve Lorenz. On the phone lines, I'm Zach Shaw. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. And we'll see you next week.